Welcome to this episode of the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Brian Lomax. And I'm Josh Berger. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about what tennis players can do when they're behind. Um, we saw some great examples at the Australian Open of um, a lot of players, but uh, specifically Nadal and Barty, who were the champions in singles, um, being behind in different situations. Nadal being behind two sets um, and uh, almost going down a break in the third set, serving at 2-3, love 40, and managing to turn that game around and then ultimately the set in the match, um, as well as Ash Barty, the, the champion on the women's side, who, while she won the first set, she was down 5-1 in the second set. So in this episode, we'll talk about um, some strategies that, that tennis players can do when they're, when they're down, um, how they might manage to to turn around a match, a set or a match, um, and draw upon some some of the tennis greats um, in doing so. Um, so, I, so Brian, to 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 start, or as we start to think about this topic, what are some some examples? Um, it could be you know the ones that that I mentioned um, that that come to mind when you think about you know these sorts of comebacks. I think um, yeah, let's start with uh, Nadal mm-hmm. first. Uh, and then we can contrast that a little bit to what Ash Barty's frame of mind was in when she was down 5-1 in the second. So Nadal talked about in his press conference his approach you know, in that moment, which was uh, essentially just to just keep fighting. And, and he said, you know, when, and usually when you're in that situation and you just keep fighting, you lose in straight sets. That's the norm, what would occur. Um, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're able to, to extend the match a little bit longer and, and to find your game a little bit, change the dynamic, and make the opponent work hard you know, through that process. And because we as uh, tennis players, we don't necessarily know exactly what the opponent might be thinking. They might start to feel some pressure and closing things out, etc. Um, and so I thought that was a really good example of a simple approach keep fighting and you know we all know Nadal as somebody who does that but what was good to hear was that there was an actual conversation in that moment that that's what I need to do I think many of us um, I think everybody every tennis player may have some of their thoughts dictated by the score by the situation and not all those thoughts are, are helpful and productive and the best we can do is recognize where we are and and what do we want to do in that moment and I think that's what Rafa did when he reminded himself just keep fighting that's 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 what we do and uh, yeah most of the time he loses in straight sets but this time something special happened right and um I think the situation with Ash Barty was a little bit different because when she was down 5-1, she had won the first set. So her approach wasn't so much keep fighting and see what happens. She mentioned in her press conference, well, I'm down 5-1 and let me be a little bit aggressive here, perhaps take some risks and see if I can build some momentum going into the third. And... We'll see what happens. Maybe something, maybe something changes even in the second set. And obviously that is, that is what, what occurred. She was able to build some momentum in that set and, and, and change things around. So I think in both instances, we see players, top players, 
having a thought process about what to do. With Ash Barty, she wasn't necessarily losing on the scoreboard, right? Because she was up a set. Yeah, she was losing in the set, but on the real scoreboard, she was up in the match. With Nadal, he was really against the wall. And, he, you know, he had to really simplify what he could do, which is just keep fighting. Um, so I thought they were both, you know, really interesting approaches, and they're both situations that we as everyday tennis players are going to face. So, uh, yeah, we can learn from these things. Absolutely. Um, and I think the goal should be to learn from these things and to to notice that both of these players, when asked, they they had an approach. They had a strategy that worked for them, where Nadal could be summarized by, let's just keep fighting, let's see what happens. And Barty's was almost... Not an acceptance of losing the set, but almost starting to plan ahead for right. the next. But she set. would have been okay with it too, right? If you know, given mm-hmm. what she what she said, yeah. So, it, it, by the sounds of it, it really sounds that each of them has planned ahead and have have thought through how they want to handle this situation, which I think is is an important point for for all tennis players, right? Assuming we're not playing in the Grand Slam finals. Um, what you know we want to have a plan and we want to have an approach that we can go to that we can refer back to in these sorts of moments um you know and i I think that that can include different things right Uh, there will be a moment when your back is to the wall when maybe you've lost the first set maybe you're down a set in a break um or you you know you go down 3-0 or 4-0 in the first set um, but you want to have a plan um and to you know that this this might include different things this might include um, certain types of self-talk that you've planned out or scripted out, um, really tried to script out ahead of time. Um, this could include visualizing yourself and, and in this situation or um, in the situation, really how you would handle that situation. Um, it, it could include, you know, how you would spend your time in between points, in between games, on changeovers, on set breaks, how you would maximize your time on court. When, when you're found in this situation as well. Because um, to me, I mean, there's, you know, there's a couple important things that you can do. You can keep going and, and hope that something changes. Either you find more of your rhythm and you start to play better or, you know, sort of buying yourself time um, in, in case the opponent starts to, you know, not play as well or starts to miss more. Um, so, you know, one thing could be, waiting and sort of sticking with your game plan. And, um, you know, I think if we look at the, at the professional level, there's certainly players like this, maybe more on the aggressive side um, where, you know, maybe like a John Isner, let's just say um, where, you know, his game plan um, win or lose, whether he's up or whether he's down looks pretty similar. Um, And Brian, I know you mentioned, Sharapova as an example um, as well, where, you know, win or lose her back could be to the wall, but she's going to play in a, in a similar type of way. So that's, that's one approach. And another approach could be more the let's adjust, let's make adjustments. Let's, you know, maybe stray a little bit from my a game or that, that playing style that I, that that you usually go back to and usually um, use and make an adjustment where maybe if normally you play very aggressively and try to hit as many forehands as possible, um, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe somehow the dynamics change. Maybe you allow yourself to hit more backhands. Maybe you 
if you're not finding the court as much and that, you know, your consistency isn't there, maybe you give yourself a little bit more margin or add some more spin. Um, so some players can think about making an adjustment. Um, so there, there are definitely different approaches here. So I don't think it's either of our, I don't think it's our intention to say what approach is best necessarily, but more so to lay out how different pros and different, you know, non-professional players can, can be successful with different approach with different approaches. But, um, you know, I, I would say there are certain things in common, like number one, an awareness, you know, being aware enough of your own game. And, you know, I, I think the reason why certain players like a Sharapova or an Isner, let's say, stick to what, what, what works for them generally is because they're aware of their game and they're aware of their strengths as a player. Um, but also the awareness comes in if you need to make an adjustment or you need to decide whether to make an adjustment. So I think that's, that's one part of it. Um, being aware enough of your own game and then also being aware of sort of the match dynamics. Um, and then there's other, other factors as well, where, you know, you look at, um, you know, particularly on the men's side in the grand slam, where they're playing best of five sets, um, that strategy of allowing your, buying yourself some time, um, and, you know, keeping the person on the court a little bit longer can be an important, an important strategy too, because of the fitness element. Um, you don't know if a, if a player's game might, you know, start to go down, start to suffer. You don't know if, you know, they could, they could potentially cramp. And we see that, I mean, most players don't male or female don't generally play best of five sets. However, we certainly see this in, you know, best of three sets and third sets. It it often partly comes down to the fitness and the conditioning. So, um, you know, there, I, I think as we think about what we as tennis players can do to, um, to handle these sort, sorts of situations from being behind. I think these are a couple of the dynamics that are important to consider. And then the other one is, you know, not to, not to lose sight of the fact that, that things can change just, just as you're down, just as, you know, you maybe got off to a slow start or you've you know lost the last few games uh, the the match dynamics can change. You, you can't assume that your opponent will keep playing at the, at the same level they've been playing at. Um, knowing that they can, you know, their level can, can drop at any moment. Um, I, th- I think is definitely an important thing to, to always remember. And that, you know, ju- just like we saw in the Nadal final, how he won that game at two, three in the third set, you know, when he was down love 40 and him turning around that game in, in some ways, you know, led to sort of the start of turning around that match. So having the self-belief and the, the awareness that that can shift at any moment. Yeah, and um, as you were saying that, you know, you mentioned we're not trying to present one specific way to approach this. There are many things that we can do, and I think we want to try to give listeners the uh, uh, a bunch of options to pick from depending on different situations because being down in a match is a fairly normal thing. You know, losing matches, unfortunately – happens and uh you know another example of of something like this where a player took a different approach uh, is nadal again 2018 against dominic team where he lost the first set six love and he talks about in that press conference at at four zero basically yeah he was given the set away he was just trying to find his game 
but he said he knew he had to change the dynamic. So he stepped into the court a little bit more, he got a little bit more aggressive, and and then ended up, you know, getting himself back in the match and eventually winning in five. And that wasn't a situation where he was against the wall, down two sets to love and, you know, on the verge of being, you know, losing that that third set. It was just simply a bad set. Um, and he was able to change the dynamic and move on. And, and as he said in his press conference, the match became more normal after after that. So different situations may call for different approaches. And I would say, though, in general, Josh, the approaches are probably simple. Sometimes when we're not playing well, maybe we're overcomplicating, overthinking, and, and so forth. Um, a lot of uh, what we tend to do, though, when we are are losing is can we simplify what we're doing? Maybe it is just playing longer points. Maybe it is, all right, I'm going to just disrupt some rhythm with some slice shots, some high balls, etc. Maybe it's I'm just going to go to my strengths, like you said, like the John Isner. Serve in forehand, serve in forehand. That's all I'm going to be working on. That's simple. So, so very often the answer is simple, but because of the thoughts that we're having, because we're losing, we sometimes are unable to grasp that. And your mention earlier of visualizing beforehand, I think that gets back to conversations we've had about Novak Djokovic and, and how he does a lot of visualization of seeing himself in different situations in a match. And then he sees himself coming through, succeeding in those situations. And, and part of that is being in, in, in losing situations. You know, he even said this when he was down two match points to Roger Federer in Wimbledon. He said, well, I didn't exactly see that situation. But, you know, those are – I plan for that. I want to know how to respond in that moment. And I think we talked about this in our mental contrasting episode as well where we 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 want to see various situations where there's an obstacle there's some adversity and we we get through it and certainly losing in various situations is like that so um definitely recommend what are you going to do right visualize what do you want to do when you're losing not that we want to be losing but it's a normal situation to ignore that would be, I think, unwise. Certainly when we talk about visualization and imagery, a lot of the times we want to see exactly what we would like to happen. But it's really important to do this mental contrasting thing and understand the obstacles. Um, I may have mentioned at one point, you know, what Michael Phelps does or, you know, or did in his visualization. A lot of it was like what I want to happen, what I, what should happen, and, you know, what could go wrong and how I'm going to handle that um, so that when things go wrong, it's like, fine, I know exactly what to do. So I think, you know, when what you were talking about there, Josh, there was a there was a ton in that um, and that there is no necessarily one answer. But if you can be thinking about perhaps some of the situations that you've been in in the past where you've been losing and maybe how you would like to handle that situation better going forward. Maybe it's as simple as, all right, keep fighting. Maybe it's as simple as keep the person out there. Extending matches is, is really good, like you said, because you don't know what could happen on the other side of the net. 
this is a big part of Bill Tim's Winner's Creed, which is use time to your advantage. For most of us, most of our matches are not timed. There's no clock. So we can use time to our advantage. We can try to keep the opponent out there as long as possible to see what could change. And I think that that was very much an approach that um, that Nadal brought to that final. It was an approach, I think, that Daniil Medvedev brought to his match against Felix Auger-Aliassime when he deliberately asked himself, what would Novak do? And, and it's great that he actually looked at Novak as the guy. And, and, and his, his answer to what would Novak do would be to make the opponent earn it, to make him play, make him hit more balls. That extends the match. And even still, Felix had a match point. But it was the right thing to do. It was, it was absolutely the right thing to do. He changed the dynamic of that match, and he ended up pulling it out just by thinking about, all right, what would Novak do? He'd get more balls in play. He'd refuse to miss, right? When we see Novak do that, when he gets into that refuse to miss kind of mode, it's intimidating. He's really tough to beat when he's got that that going. So I think your point, Josh, about planning some of this out, whether you visualize it, and, and I think we could talk about scripts. So I want to get your opinion on like how we might script that out. Um, but that's really helpful also. Yeah, and I would I would also add that a way to do this is to think about some of your past matches where you have come back. Yeah. And you've thought about, you know, what what can be what what has been successful in turning it around. Um generally there's a strategic element and we can talk about that with, you know, Nadal for instance in in the final. Um there there were a couple of more more minor strategic Differences that that or, or sorry changes that that he made. For instance, he was using the slice backhand more. He used the drop shot as a pretty repeated pattern to draw Medvedev in, where maybe he's not as comfortable. He's happy stay sticking to the baseline, um, you know, f- for the majority of points. So thinking about you know what you can do to make your opponent uncomfortable and sabotage them in these situations is one definitely one way to strategically make an adjustment. Um, another. Uh, which uh, you know maybe doesn't get enough attention is the serve return. Um, we, you know, as as tennis players, you have an advantage when serving, um, or at least you should. And the serve return is one way that you can certainly make an adjustment um, by either standing closer in, standing further back, being more or less aggressive, without necessarily changing your your whole overarching game plan. And your your whole you know the way that you play as a player, so that that's another way that you can make that that adjustment. But I think also as you think about as you think back to these matches and maybe one or two or three you know times where you successfully came back from let's say a set down or a set in a breakdown or whatever it may be, I starting to notice certain things in common. Starting to notice what was your attitude? Were you frustrated? Where did you have self-belief? Did you believe that you could turn the match around? Did you believe that you could beat that player on the other side of the net? 
what what did it take both in terms of the strategic element and then also the mental and emotional piece so um i, I think that's an exercise that every tennis player can do and, and it, it could be really valuable to really try to identify you know i, I think we, we've talked you know a number of times about trying to learn from our not just try to learn from losses or matches that don't go so well, but learn from our best performances as well. I think this is an example um, in a specific scenario in terms of turning matches around, um, learning from, from those matches and figuring out what was the key to turning it around. Generally, you know, your attitude is definitely going to be a part of it. If you're, you know, throwing your racket or getting upset at yourself, you, you almost don't give yourself a chance to, turn around the dynamics of the match where if you can stick with the person and yeah, you might have some frustration if you're losing or not playing your best, but being able to maybe maintain your composure, not showing off any negative body language. Cause we know that that actually, not only does it not help you, it, it can hurt you and it, you know, it, it gives confidence to your opponent. So thinking about, you know, what are some of the mental um, things that you can do, whether it be your body language, whether it be, um, you know, how you spend that time in between points, um, whether it be your behavior after losing a point, um, to continue giving yourself a chance to turn around a match. And by, you know, looking back and maybe even journaling about some of these past, um, situations when you've, you know, had some good comebacks or been able to turn a match around, or maybe it was even a situation where you were down, not playing your best, and you started to turn the match around. You changed up the dynamics. Maybe you still lost, but you were really proud of your effort and everything that, that you did out there. So I think that's that's definitely something you know everyone can do, and you know you can, I think you, you can definitely get a lot out of that. Yeah, because the worst story you can tell, just kind of going off what you just said, is you didn't change anything, and you just basically took the loss. Mm-hmm. Um, which made me think of you know, Todd Martin talking about guys playing Rafael Nadal from the baseline and somehow expecting to beat him from there and not really focusing on how do I make him uncomfortable, right? Um, you know, and this can happen in doubles as well, and that's – it's an important partner dynamic. So it actually makes me think of a story that uh, I had in a doubles match playing with uh, a mutual friend, Mike Colendo. It was a player here in uh, in New England. We were uh, playing in a competition, New England versus Quebec, and it was one of the last doubles matches on the court. We had won the first set, lost the second, and we were down 4-0 in the third. And we, we got a game back, and we we came down, we came and, and sat in our chairs. And it was really interesting how, at that moment, we decided to tell each other about moments where we had come back from similar deficits and we both had a story and in that 90 second piece we we told each other those stories and i think it just helped the collective belief of us as a team we came back and won that set six four um now who's to say we would have won it anyway i don't know but i thought it was really interesting that what we chose to talk about and we did communicate in that moment was stories of possibility, stories of where we had done it in the past. And I do think it changed our our outlook as we came out for that, you know, 4-1 game. And our belief increased. Perhaps the other side got a little bit tight 
as they may have been feeling the pressure. They were up 4-0 in the third set. Um, and then, we, yeah, we ended up coming back. So let's think about this as doubles too. This is a moment to stay positive with each other as well. You know, I think maybe we've been approaching this really from a singles perspective. But, you know, how can we talk to each other so that we keep the fight going? That we begin to construct a game plan that maybe is simplifying things, but we're we're making fewer errors, we're making the opponent work, or maybe we're taking, maybe we are being more aggressive in in, in positive ways. So there are different things we can do to you know change the dynamic in doubles as well. So um, let's go back to the self talk piece, Josh. You know, I was actually working with a college team today. Different situation, more about closing matches. And coming up with a closing script, but I think you know this is an opportunity again to plan ahead. What do we want to say to ourselves in some of these situations? And so I think we want to keep it simple, and we want to keep it to three things or fewer. And it could be as simple as keep fighting, extend points, hit to your targets, and this is going to be customizable to whatever you think would work for you in that in that moment. But if you can keep it really simple so that you can then be repeating that to yourself between points, it can be helpful in keeping out some of those unwanted thoughts that our brains typically throw at us based on what the score is. You know, I think as we've said in the past, our brains are often really involuntary thought machines and many of the thoughts are not helpful. They can be on things that are out of our control. What will other people think if I lose, etc.? But can you have a, a nice basic script of three things, three plays, three goals that you can repeat over and over again between points? It can help block out some of those thoughts. Or if one of those thoughts seeps through, you can shift back to, nope, here's my script. Thanks for letting me know about all that other stuff, but I'm going to come back to my script here of, you know, keep fighting, hit to your targets, stay calm, whatever that is, whatever those three things are, make them simple. You don't want them to be too long, but if you can stay focused on those three things, then again, like you said, Josh, you'll be proud of yourself in the end that, hey, I I did something. Maybe it did, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. But at least I tried to take control of the situation rather than just taking the loss. I, I think that that's great advice in terms of keeping it really simple and you know three three things or less. I mean, uh, we've talked about having reminder systems because it's it's certainly great and certainly important to plan these things out, um, but it can also be hard to access it. In the heat of the moment, Absolutely. you're in the second set or the third set. It, you've been out there for a while, so having some sort of way to remind yourself. I know we've talked a lot about you know using an index card or having something with you at the court that you can look at it before a match. You can look at it during changeovers. So having um, you know these reminders and again keeping it short and simple. A changeover is generally around you know 90 seconds, so you're not going to be spending the whole time reading something long. So keeping something nice and short. So I, I really like you know the advice of keeping it short and simple. And I think um, you know I'll go back to what I was saying before about being able to draw upon past experiences. So it could even be something like a specific match that you're referring back to. Um, 
it, because number one, that can give you more confidence. And then number two, that's, you know, almost a reminder of how you want to play or, you know, what, what specific change was key to turning the match around. So, um, yeah, I think, I think as we prepare those reminder systems, um, that, that, that's definitely something that, um, can be kept in mind, but, um, in terms of just general advice for scripting out that self-talk, um, yeah, I, I would, I would maybe go in a different direction and think more, think about, you know, pick out a couple key scenarios. Um, and, and there could be, you know, you're down a break or you're down a set, um, and, you know, plan out, uh, you know, plan out a couple of key things, two, three key things that you want to say to yourself and, and also, and then, and then practicing it. Um, that, that's where that visualization piece can come in where you can, um, you know, close your eyes and really try to envision yourself in that scenario, getting as many of the, the senses involved as possible and play out that situation of, all right, this is the score. This is the situation. What do I want to say to myself? What adjustments do I want to make? As you said, Brian, you don't want to be, you know, at the end of the match, you don't want to feel like, okay, I didn't try anything. I didn't change anything. I just took the loss. I just kept doing what I was doing. So there's always, you know, I, I think maybe when I was explaining it or framing it in the beginning and almost saying it like you can adjust or you can't, I think there's different levels to adjusting. I think sure. some players maybe have a more clearly defined plan A or plan B, or like that, I think that can look more drastic for some players where for others that looks like them standing a little bit closer inside the baseline um, or, or, you know, towards the baseline on the server turn. That looks like slicing the backhand a little bit more coming into net just a little bit more. It doesn't need to be a drastic change from being the world's most aggressive player to pushing up to moonballing. Exactly. Um, So I, I, again, I, I would point towards that visualization process within um, within the planning piece, um, in terms of you know think, really thinking about these scenarios and scripting it out, and then practicing it before you actually are on the court. Yeah, because the biggest I think barrier is going to be your mind tricking you into focusing things out of your control. In that moment, it's going to get fixated on the score as well as a bunch of other things. And the more you practice this, the better you'll get at using the script. And and you're right, we want to have it on the side of the court. And this may not, of course, be the only script you have. You may have a a script for starting the match. You may have a script for closing, script for being down a break, being down a set. Uh, And as you get more experience with these scripts, you may begin to notice some commonality between them that hmm, maybe I don't need all these scripts. Maybe I just need one or two because I, I've, I've now experienced working with these and I, I know that these two or three things, they work no matter what, no matter what the score is. Those are the, that's the key to my game. Um, but I would recommend Try to customize them a little bit at first and then playing around with that. And then maybe you come to the realization that, hey, thematically, there are, there are two or three things that just generally work all the time with me. That's a great way of simplifying this. Um, 
the key is to be using them more actively, like actually talking to yourself. Dan Abraham's the guy who does a lot of work in, in soccer, European football, talks about um, or he basically tells people, listen to yourself less, talk to yourself more. So we're listening, trying to listen to our thoughts less, and they, they're going to pop up. Let's accept them. But intentionally speak to yourself more, hence the need for what do you really want to say. And that's why we're trying to boil this down to just three simple things. And they can be attitude, like, hey, stay positive no matter what, keep fighting. They could be somewhat tactical, maybe in terms of simplify, disrupt, high and heavy. Um, they probably shouldn't be technical at that moment or any, really any time, right? Because we're trying to trust ourselves more. Um, and, and I think this is another aspect of what we're talking about, Josh, with this piece of listening to ourselves less and, and talking to ourselves more, at least more intentionally, is uh, an inner game of tennis piece here, right? Self one, self two. We're trying to quiet self one down, not let it overcomplicate the situation by bringing in intentional, simple self-talk that lowers the chatter and we can build more trust in self two and letting it play. Um, and that could be a, a reason that we're not winning. Perhaps self one has been getting in the way too much. So using some scripts can really help us to, to quiet the chatter down, keep it simple, and just let ourselves play a little bit more. And that may, that may get us in the match. So I think you're right. We want to practice these things more so that they become more natural on the court um, because we don't want you to just never practice it and say, go play a tournament or go play a league match or a high school match or a college match. And all right, I think I'm going to try that self-talk script now. Um, it could work. It certainly probably won't hurt, but it'd be great to have practice because I think self-talk like anything is a, is a skill and it needs practice just like our routine between points needs practice. And we're really talking about adding this into that, that routine a little bit more to help manage manage those thoughts and, and what you're saying to yourself. Yeah. I, I like that you um, frame it as a skill because it, it, it really is. And I think that's an important way for people to, to understand it. And as coaches, I mean, I, you know, used to work on a daily basis as a coach. I know you did, you know, for a period of time, you know, more on court as well. Um, and when, when we teach, when, when, a, when working with a player, on a new skill, a new physical skill, it can often be taught or as, as a progression. So let's say it's the backhand. Let's say we're making an adjustment with the backhand. It might start with um, a simple hand, you know, hand toss where the, the pro or the coach is right near that, that player, just tossing the ball from a couple of feet away from them. And they're really working on that stroke in a very simple way. Then you might progress to somebody feeding the ball from the other side of the court and then maybe more of a point situation. Um, and then, you know, starting to bring it step-by-step step into being able to use it in a match and into, you know, a realistic situation. It, it's the same with self-talk where these skills can be built, um, in, in lower pressure environments. And do we want to make them 
through practice as automatic as possible. So a visualization, which you know we've talked about, is certainly one way to do this. But the practice court, um, whether it's just you know just hitting with a friend, whether it's a practice match, whether it's even drilling. These are these are ways to practice that sort of self-talk where maybe you're playing a point game to 15 and you're down 13 to nine. And this, this is obviously that's going to feel a little bit different from being down a break in the second set. But this is still a, a chance for you to use some of those the same skills and to gain confidence using the skills. And you know, the more that you can use them in these lower pressure situations where the stakes aren't as high, the more automatic and easier you can make it. So by using, um, you know, visualization and using these skills on the practice court is one way to start to, you know, as a progression, um, make, have these skills be more accessible when it's actually time for a match. And through that process, the goal would be you feel less anxiety when you're in that situation. So the more that we say practice being down 13-9 or being down a break in a set and using the script and see how it does, maybe you make an adjustment to the script. Like I said, I was working with a college team today, again, a different situation, but a couple of players changed their script as we went through what we were doing. And I thought that was great that they realized that something else would actually work better here. Um, and now it's okay. We've practiced this in practice. Now we can put it into a match a little bit more comfortably, right? So that's, you're right. That's the progression. We do it simple. We put it into a little bit more pressure situation, a little bit more pressure situation. And then once we're feeling good about it, we can, we can bring it into match play. I think with something like self-talk, it doesn't take that long to traverse that, you know, it'd be a little bit different if we were just teaching somebody to kick serve and it was day one with it. You may, it may take longer than a couple of days before we start putting that into an actual match. Um, but with this, like any skill, it just requires practice and consistency um, and adherence to that. So, yeah, I think we want to treat this as a skill. And I think if you're if you have a whether it's a team or somebody you practice with, incorporate not just set play, but incorporate some scenarios and think about. All right, I'm down three four, and my opponent is serving. Or I'm down 1-4 and I'm serving. Try to climb back into the set using your script. See what happens. You may lose most of the time. But are you happy with how you went from 1-4 to whatever the end of the set was? And maybe you pull it out. And then switch. Have your training partner be down 1-4. Let him or her practice going through that. And do that a bunch of times so that you become accustomed. You know, not that we want you to be down one four or, or whatever, but it's going to happen. So why not prepare for that situation? We've talked about the visualization. Yeah, you can see that. But then let's go out in the court and try to experience it as much as possible. Now, will it feel exactly the same as if you really were down one four? Probably not because you didn't go through the process of getting to one four. We're just basically saying it's one four. But in the end, that's what we'd like you to do is accept the situation as much as possible. doesn't matter how you got there. You're there. Accept it. And now let's move on and, and, and try to rectify what's happening. 
So the more that I think we can practice these types of things, the more normal it will feel when we're actually out there and the better chance of success we have when we face that in a match that we really want to win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know we've talked a bit about in, in some of our past episodes about using practice and you know figuring out how you can increase the pressure and incre- increase the stakes or the consequences um, in practice. Um, and in fact, during my uh, my master's dissertation, I you know interviewed different college coaches all about mental toughness, and this was one of the themes that came up repeatedly about trying to simulate the um, the pressures of a match during practice. And one of the ways that a number of coaches suggested was um, doing this and, um, and, and making adjustments with the scoring system where maybe, you know, certain players on the team are starting off, you know, one, four down, maybe certain players are up, you know, four, one, four, two, maybe you're making adjustments within the game itself. It's also something you can do if there's two players that are a slightly different level. Um, where one player is working on holding a lead, which I know we're not talking about, and it's not the focus of this episode, but can also be hard. Um, holding a lead, you know, if you're up a break, let's just say, um, finishing off the set and winning that set, because it, you know, may, it can be easy to take your foot off the gas or the dynamics of a match can change. So while one player is focusing on that, the other player is focusing on playing from behind and trying to come back, um, trying to incorporate some of these skills and some of these strategies that we're talking about. Um, so this is something that, you know, the, when you're, um, especially on the practice court, the, the levels don't always match up exactly. Um, sometimes there's a difference and, and this, you know, that can be a, a great chance to practice some of these skills where, okay, you know, let's, you're down for one, um, but let's view it as an opportunity to to come back. And then the last thing I would say is, um, I know we've talked a lot about this concept of, you know, everything is practice. Um, and I think being able to, if you're in a match and you're down, knowing that, hey, this is, this is these are the types of situations I've talked a lot about, I've, I've thought a lot about. Um, I, I want, I aspire to be, a player that comes back from these types of situations that fights hard. This is another chance for me to get practice at that. So I think if you can view it as a challenge and view it as, okay, this is another chance for me to improve at this skill of coming back from being behind. Um, you can start to view it as an opportunity rather than, okay, this is a threat because I'm down and I'm going to lose this match or I'm losing. So I think that that simple mindset shift can also do, do a world of good. For sure. And I think we could also look at this as an opportunity to be courageous. I think it takes some courage to be able to change your game in some fashion, whether that's a major change or something just minor, when you're losing. Um, and so let's be courageous. Let's not let our fear of whatever stop us from doing what is right in the moment. And the right thing to do if you're losing is, is to change the dynamic somehow. Change something. Don't just take the beating. And, and so I think this is an opportunity to, to use courage, to be brave. And that doesn't mean like going crazy. It just means not letting your fear of whatever dictate how you play. 
have the courage to to try to change something and and then and then we see what happens i would you know guess wrap up josh with let's come back to you know we started off learning from the pros when you're watching professional tennis pay attention to the player who's losing to see what they're doing and maybe even measure it up to some of the things that we talked about in this episode are they changing the dynamic or are they just doing the same thing over and over again and just taking the loss? This is something that happens at all levels of the game. It doesn't matter how good you are. We see players at the top level not change things. That's like what Todd Martin was saying. People go out and try to out hit Rafael Nadal from the baseline. It's not going to work. Probably. If you're like number 100 or lower in the world, or even number 50 in the world or lower. You've got to do something different. You've got to have the courage to do something different. So watch professional tennis and see what happens with those players who are losing. What are they doing? Just notice, study that. You may see examples of players doing great things and, hey, that's something I could do. You may see examples of players doing nothing. Or tanking. Yeah, changing. Yeah, tanking. Checking out. Yeah, checking out. Whatever happens at all levels of the game, but just be more mindful of these dynamics in a match. I uh, could give you a lot of clues about how you want to handle those situations well. Absolutely. No, I, th- I think you know by watching matches uh, at the pro level, and not just you know not just watching them to enjoy it, which you certainly should, but trying to learn from them and picking, you know, picking a match and trying to focus on one key area, like what you're talking about. Um, and maybe, you know, the next time you watch a match, you focus on something else. You know, I think sometimes just, just focusing on the, the player's footwork and just watching their feet can be something else that can be really important or watch, you know, if, if you're able to watch what they're doing in between points yeah. or pick a specific thing to focus on. And that's how you can really learn from it. And in addition to just enjoying watching these players. So I, I think that's, that's great advice. And I, I really like what, what you were saying about being courageous. And, um, you know, it reminds me of a conversation that I had with a player, you know, where it was, you know, this player was, was playing against a, a player who's a little bit lower level and felt felt herself going down to this player's level, um, and that you know that this play this player was not going for her shots, was just pushing um, and getting sucked into the other player's style, and you know talking about how you want to be able to um, at the end of the day be proud of what you did out there, feel like win or lose whether it was close, whether it was not not as competitive, that you went out there on your own terms. Um, so I, I would say, you know, adding to that point of courageous, knowing the the way that you want to play, that doesn't mean not to make adjustments, because I know we talked a lot about making adjustments, but um, being able to be proud at the end of the match, win or lose, whether you came back from being behind or not, but being proud of the way that you fought, being proud of any adjustments that you tried to make, being proud of, you know, the, the playing style that you aim to play in. Um, is going to make you feel a lot better about the result and you're going to ultimately get more out of it. We talk a lot about um, how after each match, you know, you want to 
be able to benefit and grow from it and not keep doing, you know, not keep making the same mistakes or not keep doing the same thing over and over again. So by playing in that courageous way, it's going to make it a lot easier to do that. Yeah. And you'll make progress, you know, in this overall, uh, and, and you'll be better the next time that you handle this. Right. So cool. Well, great conversation, Josh. Thank you. Uh, and thank you all for listening for more on today's episode. Please check out the show notes. If you have any feedback or questions for me and Josh, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag TennisIQ. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. And you can also check us out on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.